Hello and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for people who are curious about how to have a more fulfilling work life. We live in a world largely driven by numbers, logic and reason. But how we feel at work and about our work impacts us, our organisations and society. There is a relationship between the numbers of our organisations and the life beyond the numbers. I'm Susan Michrielon, your host. I've lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't. People who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. But one thing that I've learned that is common to us all is that we are all unique and have unique experiences. And it's helpful to know that there are others who think like we do, or have had struggles too, or have gone where we want to go, or can show us things we didn't know. So join me and my guests as we place a lens on the human side of work life by sharing insights, stories and strategies to inspire you to let your uniqueness shine. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Kerry Boucher. Kerry, you're so welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers. Thanks, Susan, and I'm so excited to be with you. And thanks for the opportunity to chat and explore some interesting topics. Yes, and you won't see this at home, but Kerry's got this beautiful photograph on her Zoom background. Kerry, tell us where it is. Describe (laughs) it. So it's a special place. It's one of the coastal areas in South Africa. My parents live in a little village called Bocknestrand. And next door to it, there's a coastal walk. It's about a seven kilometer walk in total. You start off in the forest. And just as you get to the top of one of the sand dunes, there's this little bench. And you can sit there and you have this green forest. And then all of a sudden in the distance, you see the sand and the blue ocean And we went for a walk, got up there, took a pic, and I love it as my background because it kind of just calms you and just reminds you of summer and makes you feel happy. Absolutely. And like the minute you put it on, I could feel myself relaxing even. (laughs) And we've got this crazy, I was just saying to Kerry before we hit record, crazy thunderstorm happening outside. So it's like I'm in Africa, but neither of us are in Africa or South (laughs) Africa. So where are you, Kerry? Susan, at the moment, I find myself in Dublin in Ireland. Having arrived last year, it was quite an adventure to have to go on. And the reason I say that is most people probably would think we're a little bit crazy because we moved to Ireland having never, ever traveled here before. We knew a couple of things like we knew there was a housing crisis. We knew that it was expensive, but nothing quite prepares you for like, oh, it's okay. We have lived overseas before. This should be fine. And it was to a large degree. We must admit we landed on our feet, but very interesting to move to a country you've physically never been to. And if anyone had told me I would do that, I'd probably say, no, that's way beyond crazy. Why would you do that to yourself? But we have done it and we survived. So here we are. Yeah. And as you're saying that, it's interesting because actually I've lived, I moved to quite a few countries that I've never been to before, always on a temporary basis, though. Hmm. But it is. I mean, when you arrive there first day and you're going to live there, it's a very different thing to go on holidays for two weeks. (laughs) Yeah, let's. 
And we'll come back to that a little bit more, I think, later. The first time we spoke, you said we learn by things that make us feel uncomfortable. So I'd love to like, get some stories from you on what you mean by that, because I think I get it. I, I think it's a thing of what we've seen in our careers and in changing from where we started to where we are now is that sometimes when you step outside your comfort zone, you actually discover a whole lot more about yourself, about what you're capable of. And I mean, an example that happened to me is I I was always in finance and I worked in banking and eventually had moved out of finance into a different role as a financial director. And um, an opportunity came up where I could facilitate a class for one of the business schools. And the person who invited me said, well, they were getting a bit busy and there was an area and they knew I was interested in it. And would I be willing to come to the class and co-facilitate? And it was sure. And inside I was going, you have never done this before. What are you saying yes for? And it's amazing because that actually led me to one of my passions today. And it's amazing when you're in a class and you're able to share knowledge, it takes people outside of their comfort zone, but it makes an impact that people can walk away and go, I get it now. I can do this. And that I think is very rewarding. It doesn't matter where you are in life. It's more rewarding than filling in numbers on a spreadsheet and submitting them for the 11th time to somebody else. <laughs> and it's opened a whole like different world and so many different doors. But sometimes you've just got to be willing to take that risk and step outside your comfort zone. And having done that, it kind of empowers you to go, well, if I can do that, maybe the next time it comes along. I could take that and run with it and do something completely different as well. So I think from that perspective, and we always joke when we, we're in the classroom and facilitating and chatting to people about the programs and leadership development, it is unfortunately true. Learning really happens outside your comfort zone. If you're comfortable, you might hear stuff and it might be knowledge, but it's, it's really when you experience it and work with it and go, okay, wow, this is something I can internalize. And I think it reflects a a little bit about your personality and you learn about yourself. And that's always important because you learn more and you grow. And that's what's so interesting, right? It opens new doors, new journeys, new pathways. And I think life takes you sometimes on very different paths to where you started. Absolutely. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because some of us might get that feeling, oh, I can't do that and just say no. And not even put ourselves forward when actually, of course, we can do it because we're way more resourceful than we give ourselves credit Mm. for often, aren't we? So with the benefit of hindsight, Kerry, when somebody is given an opportunity and they're on the fence and they've got all of this stuff coming up inside, like what's a good first step other than just (laughs) saying yes immediately? Because (laughs) some people just won't do that. Yeah. I think you you do have to do a little bit of an assessment, right? To say, what do I stand to gain? What do I stand to lose, right? And I think it's always that sort of cost benefit, right? If I do this and it doesn't work out, would it actually have cost me anything? In my scenario, when I first did that, I was on a contract and I had options. So it wasn't, well, if this doesn't work, oh, I've made this choice and I have to stick with it. And I think it's about experimenting and going, okay, this may be what I want to do. How do I do it in a way that I'm not putting a whole lot of risk into it? So I'm not recommending anyone who's got a passion for facilitation quit their day job and go and do that without having like 
proper planned it. But I think it's just sometimes opportunities do cross your path for a reason. And you may not have attempted the thing before, but you have to ask yourself, what do I have to lose if I give it a go? And if you go, well, not much. And if I don't like it, I don't have to keep on doing it. I think a lot of us were brought up, well, you must choose a career and you must follow a path and you must climb the ladder. And that might not also be the right journey for you, to be honest. <laughs> that might be the wrong choice. My husband and I always say this. We experimented when we were young enough that if it was a mistake, you could go back and rely on your skills and profession to develop something else. But if you didn't, and I guess the ultimate question is, would you actually regret it one day? Because the price of regret is much higher than going, oh, well, I tried it and it didn't work out. And I think I've just kind of learned, like, you have to experiment. I mean, something came up yesterday, actually. I was approached by someone who I actually don't know how they found me on LinkedIn, I think, from an international business school that's based in the UK. And we've been in touch over a while. And he reached out to me yesterday to say he's very sorry for the last minute request, but he has a panel last night that's face-to-face. His one panelist can't make it. Could I step in and fill the void? Now, I could have gone, do you know what? I don't really feel like it. I'm tired. I'm going to be virtual. Everybody else is in person. This is horrible. How am I going to put... I just went in, sure. This is what I'll talk about. Is that okay with you? And if it doesn't work out, I haven't lost anything. I haven't put my career at risk. And it was such an enriching experience because the other panelists were so interesting. And it was all about financial services and sustainability. And it was really interesting. The one guy is setting up an ethical bank in South America. So, I mean, it's like, oh, wow, now I've got three new connections that I would never have met otherwise. And I think that's, you sometimes just have to go, how much of a risk is it, right? And just do it anyway, even if you might be fearing it or those little voices are going, oh, no, what are you doing? What are you thinking about? You kind of just sometimes have to go, do you know what? I'm sure I can add value because I know my stuff and I'm just going to trust my gut and go with it. Absolutely. And there's a sense of adventure to that as well. And as you were talking, I was thinking about a colleague of mine that used to always say, what isn't for you goes by you. And so then anything that comes to you really is for you if if you're willing to take up the gauntlet. And I guess traveling is another way of having that discomfort coming up or the faux pas that we make when we get to a new culture that maybe we've taken for granted in our own culture or not understood are the unwritten rules in this country. Yeah, totally. (laughs) When you moved from South Africa to Ireland, I know Ireland, there's Irish language is one thing, but other than that, what are the kind of cultural differences that maybe you noticed or weren't aware of going there that cropped up in a workplace even? Well, I think the one thing is South Africans tend to be quite direct. We often, we're often labeled as aggressive by other countries and we'll say, no, no, we're just assertive. That's not aggressive. But, but I will say this, having spent a year away, we are actually very full on and I think it's a little bit about how we live there when you are living behind high walls dealing with security risks kind of 
on high adrenaline on a day-to-day -day basis because of the complexities and the social environment. When you step out of that, you kind of go, why are these people slow? Why are they not always like, you know, we've said like the pace of work is different. We know that you, it's the funniest thing to learn, right? In the culture here in Ireland is you always have a chit chat before you get to the work. You don't just go, okay, let's start the meeting. You, what are you doing? No, no, no. If you do that, you're going to come across as not very welcoming. And so there are these subtleties. And the other thing we were chatting about, and then we, we actually figured out the answer is like, okay, so Irish people don't tend to invite you to their homes. Now in South Africa, it's very common that if you have friends over on a weekend, you'll have a bra, which is like a barbecue, and you'll sit and chat together. And it's very normal to visit people in their homes. Most of us in our friendship circles, we'd spend time in each other's homes. And we realize it's twofold. One is we are lucky in the SA because we have helpers in our homes that can help clean and keep them neat and tidy and wash up and do all those things. And in Ireland, you just don't have that. So it's like a double whammy. You must clean your house and you must do all the cooking. So we understand now it is far easier to just say, let's meet at the pub. Other people take care of the cleaning. Other people take care of the food prep and you can just actually sit and relax and enjoy yourself. And it's also like really interesting to watch the dynamic in the local pubs and you can see how the waiters and waitresses know certain people, which means they they often, and it really is, you know, a pub is a gathering place for families to sit and chat and it's like the hub of the neighborhood, which is very, very not what we have in SA. So the, those subtleties of like just adapting your work style, learning to perhaps take a breath and learning that you have to say, ah, how are you doing? Happy Friday. Those are very important, like basic skills, just to get those basics right. And, you know, I think what's beautiful about Ireland is the people are very tolerant of other nationalities and cultures, and they, they are interested to learn about it. And I think you have to just realize that you also have to calm some of your assertiveness and hold, not hold back, but just approach it differently and use different words and not tell people what to do. Just say, can I suggest? So, so it's subtleties and it's very interesting to observe and learn. And But it's also something that a lot of people don't know. And I think when you first arrive, it could seem like, why are these people chit-chatting for so long? Well, let's just get down to business. We need to do the work. And it's, so, it's those little things, right, that do make a difference. But if you put the effort in, people actually recognize it, which is lovely to see. Mm. Well, I, I'm delighted to hear that people still chit-chat anyway, having not worked in Ireland for quite a long time. It's great to hear that that's alive and well. <laughs> Very alive and well. <laughs> What about like a decision to relocate, you know, let's say quarter of the way around the world, <laughs> but from one continent to another? What brought you to that decision, Kerry, if you're okay to talk about it? And what has it been like as an experience mm. to move like that your whole work and life? I think, Susan, so first of all, it wasn't a plan, like we want to immigrate, we want to leave South Africa. We were observing there were already challenges in the economy, and there are some employment policies that are not favorable to certain races anymore. It's kind of like reverse of apartheid, which isn't great, because the country really does need skills and people to mentor others and grow them. 
And out of the blue, my husband actually got someone on LinkedIn, wrote him a really good like introductory email, not a sales type pitch, and just said, look, I've got a client. They're looking for these skills. I think you'd be a fit for them. And we were actually on our way to celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary as he got this information. So we said, look, we're going on holiday. Can we chat when we get back? And I think Johannes had forgotten about it, got back, got on the call, went through three interviews in one month, which apparently was very quick, and got a job offer. And it was like, we had spoken in the last year about relocating out of Johannesburg where we lived because the sort of lifestyle there was getting crazier and crazier and you don't want to live there long term. And there were some options for us to look at moving to the coast instead, which would have been a different lifestyle. And then we said, what the heck? It's a two-year contract initially on a critical skills visa. What if we go and just have an adventure? Because the reality is we're not as young as some people who move internationally, which is one thing I think that I've learned a lesson from. And that's one of the harder things here is that you've left almost your network and everything you've built up in your sort of 25 years experience, you've almost got to park that to one side and say, well, that was that country. And now I have to start again. And I know I don't have 25 years (laughs) to go. Well, hopefully not, (laughs) because I don't think I want to be working at that age, but anyhow. Um, But, but so it wasn't planned and we just embraced it and said, you know what? We always know things cross your path for a reason and you can embrace them and go, okay, well, this is it. And I mean, we're grateful to have the opportunity to come and work internationally again. We've done it when we were very young. So we knew it wouldn't be the easiest transition. We knew it's like, you are actually a foreigner. You've got to put the effort in. You've got to actually make things happen. You can't expect other people to fall all over you kind of thing. And I think that's been the hardest thing is to how do you create a network again? Because it is really important in any work that you do, right, to have the network, to be able to chat to people, to bounce professional ideas of people. And I think that's the one thing that we've started working on it and we've learned certain skills, I think, that help facilitate. So you're not scared to go and speak to people and that kind of thing. We've It's something we've observed in a number of work-related functions we've been to. We're almost the only people who go and speak to people we don't work with and engage with them and find out stuff about them. And just an example on that, we managed to find a home to move to, to lease instead of the apartment we live in, which I mean, has been wonderful. And how we found it was through a work colleague who was moving out of the house and he had rented this home for four years. And we met our future landlady on Saturday last week to sign the lease with her and found out, oh, her husband is this person. He works at this bank and she does this. And so my husband knows the person who vacated the house and said to him the other day, you do know that your landlord is this person and they're quite senior at this bank. And he goes, no, it's like you lived in the house for four years. You never asked what does your husband do? And like, what is his role? And we had learned all the stuff in literally a coffee meeting with her in half an hour. We know what her son is studying. We know what her daughter's doing in school. And it's learning about sometimes not just speaking, but asking questions. And so we know we can develop the network again, but it takes time and it is a little bit frustrating. I think when you're older, it's like, but I've done all of this before. I've done this work. And 
I'm now kind of going backwards before I can go forwards again. But but it's not impossible and it's something that you can do. And we've just got to say we'll keep going and we know it will get somewhere. But I think that's been the hard thing. Adapting to a new environment, of course, there are adjustments. The other big adjustment is we are very spoiled in South Africa with household help. And it's been an adjustment, but also realizing it's actually not that difficult if your home is also designed and you have the right tools to clean your home, it's not the end of the world if you have to do it yourself. But hybrid work does help with that. You know, if you need to do washing in the week and you're at home, you don't have to spend your whole weekend doing that. And those are just like some of the lessons. But the transition, to be honest, as much, I think, as I was very hot sore because I left my family, has not been horrific. And we've started making new friends and also just, one of the things I've done is realize that I always did it in South Africa is start a networking group for other expats, right? Because we all go through the same pain, unfortunately. And I'm fairly lucky. I didn't have children and everything else. I think if you've got young kids, it must be really hard. You come here, you've got to find a school, a GP, this, that. You don't have the same support for at home, like with people who could help care for your kids. So I think in doing that, it's just allowing people to have conversations, allowing them to vent a little bit sometimes about their frustrations. And because you've got some common ground, you can build rapport. And building those relationships is really important, not just, okay, we can make new friends, but we can also support other people in what we do. And that's really important to me, I think, and especially to support women, because it's quite surprising. A lot of them are single or have come from different circumstances. And it's really hard, I think, when you're alone, totally alone in a new country. And so it's been refreshing to kind of do some different stuff and get different ladies to meet up and just chat to each other and connect them that they can also support each other outside of the group, you know. Amazing. And I love the story about the landlord, and the landlady and that conversation, because to me, that is very Irish what you did there. And, you know, that you knew the person's history in no time. They say there's six degrees of separation. And I always say, but it's one if you're Irish, because everybody <laughs> knows everyone. And then they don't. But but I also what really came across, Kerry, in it's people. I mean, it's it's human beings. And so if you can connect on that human level, that's what networking is. Networking yeah. doesn't have to be this scary, frightening thing we're just people trying to make our way in the world absolutely and we sometimes forget that right in the office where we work sometimes you see someone who looks a little bit lost just say hi they're a human they just they just like you know wanting other connection and I think that's been amplified a lot in the last three years we all just we want connection we want to belong in a place we want to be able to have conversations and also just like share what are we going through and what's different for us and it like you said it doesn't have to be this event like we're going networking and I think so many people have that in their head but just be open be friendly be caring and that's going to take you a long way yeah and you mentioned as well about how Johannesburg was getting a bit crazy crazy and can you maybe elaborate a little bit more for people that wouldn't know what it's like to live in Johannesburg? <laughs> so not to create a bad picture of South Africa, 
But, no. yeah. but the reality is, unfortunately, because we have social challenges, right? We have a lot of people who historically were disadvantaged. So education levels weren't adequate for everyone. A very small percentage of the population has wealth and ev- almost everybody else has very little. And unfortunately, COVID made that situation a lot worse. And how we've dealt with it in South Africa, and it's not unique to Johannesburg, although Johannesburg, I think, as a larger city is seeing more of it, is sometimes the basic services aren't there from a municipality delivery point of view. So in certain areas, you find that there's it's not cleaned up properly. It's not looked after. Roads get damaged and not fixed. We call those things potholes. And you can drive through them and hurt your car quite badly. You've got to have a car. Unfortunately, public transport is pretty non-existent. Most people there drive SUVs for the potholes and unfortunately also to avoid crime because it's a bigger car and you're more visible and all of those good things. And unfortunately, crime is a challenge and people just need to be aware of that. It doesn't mean something bad is going to happen to you. We lived there for 20 years. Nothing bad ever happened to us. But you have, unfortunately, a lifestyle where you put up barriers to avoid being targeted. And so we live behind generally, and this is what's so funny, right? Six foot high walls, most of them have some kind of security fencing on the top, generally electric fencing. We spend money on private security companies. Unfortunately, the police force is not quite at the level of other countries. And so as a result, you have to have an awareness of your surrounding far more than, for example, here in Dublin. Here in Dublin, I can get on public transport, I can go out and come home at midnight by myself. I don't have to worry and look over my shoulder. To be quite frank, I couldn't do that in Johannesburg. So if you go out at night, you drive very carefully on the roads, you make sure that you're not, there's no one around you when you stop and have to go somewhere. And unfortunately, the crime that does occur is not basic crime. It's usually involving weapons which means you're not going to argue with the person if they have a gun and you don't. And unfortunately, some people do get into really bad situations. And what we've seen lately is certain crimes on the increase, and a lot of that to do is unfortunately with social challenge. But saying that, there are still beautiful spots. And I think it's true of every city in the world. There are places we would recommend, even in Dublin, <laughs> that you don't go and hang around at at night. <laughs> And in Johannesburg, there are similar places. The suburbs are fairly still safe and you can go and have a great meal and all of those good things in comparison both to pounds and euros at a very reasonable rate. To give you an example, my husband took some friends of ours out for dinner the one evening when he was there. And I think the entire bill came to around 150 euros for eight people with drinks at a really nice Spanish restaurant in Joburg. And the reality is people adjust and adapt. And the challenge is you have things like we call load shedding, which are blackouts because of the power situation. We, for example, put solar on our home. So we didn't experience that, but we were in the fortunate position that we had the monetary means to do so. Not everyone has that. So the challenge is it is the hub of, of South Africa, which we, a lot of companies have their head offices and it's a busy city. You know, if I compare it, Ireland, for example, has like 6 million people between Johannesburg and Pretoria and the residential township areas. We're looking at 12 million people, all of them on the roads every day, getting to work, 
And obviously not everyone has the benefit of owning cars and things like that. So it's unfortunate that we're in that position because it is a country with immense potential and beauty. But you do just need to know that. That, it, like for example, if I was a single female traveling to South Africa on holiday, I would want someone to warn me of these things and go, just be aware. Don't do the things you would have done on a street in London or, or Dublin. Think about it and just make sure you've got the right advice and the right tools and information around you to make sure you're not at risk. And I think that's what's important. Absolutely. <laughs> And you're so right about the cities. I mean, there are, every city in the world will have parts that you're taking risks by going into them. <laughs> but you reminded me of I, I lived in Uganda 20 years ago and I came home after a year and I, I was working for an international NGO goal at the time. And the goal wanted me to be interviewed for the radio and newspapers and so on. Anyway, somebody twisted my words <laughs> because they asked me, like, did I feel safe, basically? And I said, yeah, 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 that I felt safer than I would in parts of Dublin, which was true. <laughs> and so this headline came out in the, one of the dailies, which was war-torn Africa, safer than Dublin. <laughs> so says aid worker Susan in shock verdict. <laughs> every country is different every country yeah. has its beauty has its challenges and I think we often have romantic notions of other places and it's really interesting to hear reality and what it was like to live in in Joburg Kerry your career is just you've got vast experience accounting, ethics, sustainability, executive education, time to think facilitation. And I think it all seems geared at helping the world be better. Would that be a fair assessment? And is that how you started your career out as well? <laughs> Susan, that's a really awesome question. So I'll be honest, absolutely not. That's not how I started my career. Some perspective on my career. I never chose accounting, by the way, because I was like, oh, it's numbers. Let me do it. I grew up on a farm, so my parents were not wealthy. And what I wanted to know was when I went to university, which are the careers that pay well? I was fortunate academically. I worked hard and I was able to do that. And when I got to university, they said, well, chartered accountancy is one of the best paying careers. And in South Africa, it still is to this day. Oh, I, and you're quite, you've got good marks. You should do that. I'm not sure. I don't even know what that is. But anyhow, let me do it. And after my first year, I got really good results. So I got a bursary from one of the big four firms. And that meant I had to work for them, which is like awesome. I've got a place to go after university. And so began this journey. And, and I think for me, it was always, I had a passion to understand business. That's where I think the accounting kind of background came from. But having worked in accountancy for a couple of years, I realized it wasn't really my thing to do the same thing every day, the routine. I was far more passionate about people. And it was quite interesting because I actually wanted to study industrial psychology. And then they said to me, oh, well, you can always add that on later. And I never really did. And it's funny how life takes you then down certain pathways. I will never regret the knowledge I gained doing the financial work because I think that can stand you in good stead for the rest of your life. And it's transferable globally, which means you can move and take opportunities. But doors opened from that that led me to kind of what I really want to do. And so sometimes you uncover your passion and purpose 
kind of by accident without saying, well, that's where I want to go. And through getting into facilitation and coaching and just being around more of the people element, I think that you have a far greater impact in my view than I ever felt when, like when I was a CFO or FD and I was just running numbers. And I've always been, I think, even in those roles, focused on mentoring and guiding people and growing people. So it kind of maybe is a natural evolution. And perhaps I'm reflecting on that as when I was really young, I think I always I always said to my mom, I want to be a teacher. And then when I went to high school, I saw how children teach, treated teachers and I said, no, this is not for me. I think I would be in trouble with other people like parents if I told their child one or two things. So let me rather not do that. And it's funny that it led me to adult education, which is the beauty of it is I'm still using all those skills I learned, but now I get to share them with other people and help them understand things better. And so much of what we need to help people is, is not to be afraid of things like finance. For example, if you're a non-financial manager in business and you watch people actually have a fear for it, which is completely unfounded, but it comes down to they were told, I don't know, by someone in their life, or oh, you're not a numbers person or you can't do maths or whatever. But now you're a manager in a business. And unfortunately, you need to understand the numbers. It's not like it's rocket science. So if you can just help people to see beyond those fears and go, okay, I might not be an expert, but I actually can do this. I can ask better questions. I can help and shape the future of my organization. Then we can make the world a better place. You know, and it's not like peace and all of that kind of stuff. It's just saying to people like, you have potential and it's how do I help you realize your potential? And that's quite exceptional to be able to give as a gift and receive as a gift because you always learn more about yourself when you facilitate than the class does, I think. Wow, that's lovely, Kerry. And I would love to have time to talk about more. <laughs> but our time is up today. And it's such a fab message to end on, though, I think, you know, that if you are helping others you're getting as much from it yourself and there's a gift both ways in in that giving and in receiving and that's that's really nice it's a really lovely message Kerry if anyone would like to connect with you being a wonderful networker and all of that <laughs> what's the best way of getting in touch they can look out for me on LinkedIn I will stay on LinkedIn I had to upgrade my name so and the upgrade is this. When I got married, I kept my maiden surname, which is Boucher. Unfortunately, in South Africa, the Department of Home Affairs is not very efficient. And they changed my name in my passport, even though I told them not to. And it was too much of an effort to go back and have an argument with them. So here I have a different surname just to keep things interesting. And that is Haman. It's like spelled ham man. So you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Would be lovely if you did and it just keeps life interesting because at least I've got like a pseudonym if I need one but Susan I just want to say thank you for the gift of being able to come and chat to you today I've had an absolutely wonderful time and I hope to catch up with you again soon yeah me too thank you Kerry I've got the biggest smile on my face and I'm feeling very <laughs> relaxed after that conversation thank you for that gift also Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the paths we traversed on today's episode. If something rang through for you, be sure to let me know. Or maybe you can share this with someone in your life 
who would benefit from listening too. And if you enjoy helping others, I'd be so grateful if you would leave a review so that people who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers can discover this podcast too.